There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Energy is all around us. It's something that never gets destroyed, right? Science explains that, that energy simply changes and shifts. And it tells us that everything is actually made of energy. So science tells us that energy is real. And we know that our bodies, if everything is energy, I mean, the phone that I'm using to talk to you, the chair that I'm sat on, it's made up of energy. And so thus, within our own physical bodies, and also surrounding us in our aura is energy. And that energy impacts us in one way or another. Hello, and welcome to the Not Perfect podcast. My name is Poppy Jamie, a recovering perfectionist and the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. Like the app, this show is about hitting pause and taking time to look after our mind and soul. In this series, I explore how we can make life better in 2020. How can we reduce stress, enjoy life, bounce back from setbacks and get in flow? My guests will be sharing their expert advice and I hope you join me on the journey. Our theme music is courtesy of Mindstream. Visit mindstream.com to learn more about how their music and environments help you sleep, relax, focus and move or find their music on any streaming platform. Let's crack on with the show. It is such a huge honor to have Ampi Kavanagh on the show today. So I credit much of my spiritual journey to Ampi. Ampi taught me how to meditate in my mid-twenties when I was a pure hurricane of completely uncontrolled energy. And when I was getting myself into anxious holes, meltdowns, Ambi was the guide, teacher, life coach, Reiki master, sound healer, astrologist. And now she is an author and obviously the founder of Alchemuth Ambi, who if you are not following on Instagram, I suggest you follow it immediately because it is just constantly amazing wisdom that she puts out daily. And this industry can be really difficult to manage. And so for me, I get really excited when I finally meet the real deal behind all of these things that we're taking on board. We're all learning together. So it is just, as I said, a huge honor to have such a wonderful soul on the show. And we're going to dive in to her book, which is one of those must-haves on the bookshelf. What's a quote you return to often and why? Change is the only constant, which is a quote from a Greek philosopher called Heraclitus. And, you know, it's kind of my mantra for all of life. It's the basis of all the work that I do with Alchemy with Ambi um, 
and my podcast and just my life mantra and, and, and motto by which I genuinely live. What's a recent life lesson you've been reminded of? Well, exactly that, exactly that, that change really is the only constant, because I think that sometimes in life we get to a point where in our personal lives, we have stability, we have structure, we have flow, and we have manifested the things that we really want. In my case, you know, this beautiful life, my husband, my baby, doing work that I'm passionate about. But even even with that comes change and comes fluctuation. And what I have personally learned is that even positive change can be extremely challenging. As a result of having a baby, my relationship with my husband has naturally changed. Our marriage has changed and evolved as a result. Um, my day-to-day life has changed. My self-care rituals have changed. Like everything has changed as a result of this beautiful angel blessing that I have in my life. And I think that people need to understand that even when you have positive changes in your life, even when you manifest these great goals that you've had your eye on for such a long time, those changes also come with challenges. And just understanding that and having that acceptance can make life so much easier to navigate. Otherwise, I think that you can leave yourself feeling unfulfilled where you think, gosh, I've now got the relationship of my dreams and yet this is now challenging. Or gosh, you know, and I've now got you know, the baby that I've always wanted, the husband, the unit, the family, my business is doing well. I'm sharing all this you know, work and wisdom with all these people but it's still challenging. And I think that knowing that change is challenging allows you to look at it through a different filter and allows you to have a different perspective, which ultimately allows you to find more fulfillment in the day to day. It's so funny, isn't it? Because I definitely grew up thinking that, oh, when I'm like this age, I'm just not going to have any problems because I'll have just kind of like reached being an adult and I'll have no problems. (laughs) And then suddenly you're like, oh no, (laughs) they're still there. Oh, yep, you, you just said it. And, and just so everyone knows, you know, I know you're a little bit younger than me, Poppy. But, you know, when I used to think about being in my 40s, I'd think of, um, I think to myself, oh, my God, that's like a so old. And oh, by then I will 100% never have any issues or any problems. And it's like, uh, no. So now I'm kind of saying, okay, maybe in my 70s or 80s, I'll be like that. And I guarantee you, you know, God willing, I'll get to my 70s and 80s, and I'll probably still be like, well, this is now challenging. You know, it's yeah. just like understanding that is refreshing and liberating. Yeah, so true. How do you define happiness? Happiness for me is truly about a feeling that is internal. And it's about feeling at peace um, in my heart. It's about feeling at peace in my energy body, feeling balanced. And it's about a feeling that is within that brings me peace of mind and joy from little minutiae of life as opposed to necessarily the manifestation of something big. So it's much less about external matters as it is more about an internal state of being. So, you know, it's it's silly little things like it's seeing like a the dapple sunlight coming in and, and, and shining on my leaves and in my on, on the plant in my room. It's like you know, that, that smell of a fresh cup of coffee or tea in the morning and be like, oh, no, that, that's happiness to me. It's these tiny little moments that when you add up our life. So I can't wait to dive into your book. It's a self-care Bible in a way. And um, since I've had it, I can just dive in on the days that I'm feeling a bit off kilter and it's just full and jam-packed of wisdom. Um, what was your aim in writing it? It's the book that I wish I had have had at the beginning of my spiritual journey, which was in 2008. And actually, I wish I'd had this book when I was a lot younger. Um, I mean, in my 20s, in my early 20s, I think this could have really helped me. And it just provides you with an accessible, easy to understand, digestible guide to self-care and working with your energy body on a, uh, with a multiple different tools with meditation with essential oils with crystals with archetypes of goddess archetypes you know with the new moon with the full moon with the seasonal changes and shifts and so it's very very practical i know you know me very well we're both fellow virgo risings i'm all about practicality and taking something that can sometimes seem esoteric and making it more digestible and more applicable to our day-to-day modern lives so it's the bible i wish i had a long time ago and now i've had the blessing and the opportunity to be able to provide it to others and so when you talk about the energy body what is that and i suppose like along with that what is a chakra 
Yeah, so it means, you know, my book is called Chakras and Self-Care and the, the term chakra is actually, it comes from a Sanskrit word and it's a word which means spinning wheel. And there are the seven main chakras in our energy body, which are these spinning wheels of energy, which aren't visible to the naked eye. Although if you are a healer, a clairvoyant or somebody that, you know, works in, in that field of energy work, you will be able to access, visualize through your mind's eye these chakras, but they're basically energy wheels in your body, okay? And chakras came from the Vedas, which is an ancient um, Hindu scriptures, uh, all written in Sanskrit, which identified that actually every single human being had an energy body, and the energy body was made up of the seven main um, chakras, because there's actually over 114 chakras in your energy body, just so you know. So in my book, wow. you know, we start very simply with the seven main chakras. And I would tell anyone, you know, that was looking to get into this work, start simple, start with the basics, with everything. And in the Vedas, they described the physical body as almost being like a, they used land as a metaphor for the physical body. And they talked about sort of the different chakras as being the different parts of the land and how the land needed um, energy which to flow through what they call the nadis, which is rivers. But so energy needed to flow through the nadis to each chakra in order for the land as a whole to be operating fully and properly over and to be healthy. And so when you take that metaphor and you use that for our physical body, Within our spine, within the spinal cord, we have these seven main chakras, these seven main energy centers. Basically, those energy centers all sort of rule different areas of life and different themes that can impact us from the psychological to the emotional to the physical to all aspects of our lives. Okay, so you touched upon this a little bit, but is there research behind these energy bodies? Like, what, where kind of did it first originate and why has it, do you think, gathered speed so much and we're seeing the word chakra appear so much more than we have maybe in the last few decades? Well, it originated in, in ancient India, you know, from these texts called the Vedas, which were understood to have been sort of a bit like how the Bible was written or, you know, the Old Testament, that there were certain scholars at the time in, in early ancient civilization who received messages from the divine and translated them through texts, which were then had to be, you know, and, and sort of um, those texts that were then decodified and demystified over the years by other scholars and other spiritual teachers to explain what the text actually meant and to realize that, you know, these ancient texts actually provided a guide for each of us to live our lives as human beings in the centuries and millennia to come, right? Um, but having said that, you know, I think the word energy is thrown around so much. And I think that it's completely natural for people to have skepticism around energy healing. And, you know, I, you know, seeing something online about like, hey, clear out your root chakra so that you can manifest a Gucci handbag. And it's like, you know, there's this <laughs> kind of bastardizing of these sacred teachings that unfortunately means that a lot of people can feel very skeptical and unsure about what you know what is this really all about and how does it actually relate to my life and is it really true what I would say which I think is so beautiful about all religions and all spiritual texts is although this originated in ancient India when you look the Mayans the Kabbalists the Buddhists they all talk about the energy body and they all actually through their various different you know sacred scriptures actually make reference to the seven chakras which so wow. so there's a there's a cohesiveness across cultures across different religions across different spiritual texts of reference to the chakra system being the system of the energy body and being the system which allows life force energy which is prana in sanskrit to flow through the body now with all this said I understand that I talk about this in my book that at times, you know, we can think, well, that just sounds really vague and meaningless. Like, okay, let me clear my energy body. But actually, when you turn to science, science defines energy as matter, which has the potential to cause changes. And science also defines um, energy as the capacity of a physical system to do work. 
And when you think about that, that's our bodies, right? Our body has the capacity, it's, it has the capacity of a physical system to do work, to operate in some kind of way, for me to move my arms and legs, for me to function and my liver to function, my kidneys to function, my digestive system to function, right? And energy is all around us. It's something that never gets destroyed, right? Science explains that, that energy simply changes and shifts. And it tells us that everything is actually made of energy. So science tells us that energy is real. And we know that our bodies, if everything is energy, I mean, the phone that I'm using to talk to you, the chair that I'm sat on, it's made up of energy. And so thus, within our own physical bodies, and also surrounding us in our aura is energy. And that energy impacts us in one way or another. So we know that the central nervous system controls most of the functions of our body and the mind. And we know that it's comprised of our brain and the spinal cord, right? But the spinal cord sort of sends a signal to our brain and the rest of the body. So it says something to the brain and then the brain says, oh, and then that, that body part will sort of receive that or that the kidney or the livers or the ovaries or whatever it is. And what the chakra system tells us is that because the main flow of energy, which is called shishamna, flows through the spinal cord, through those seven chakras, it's directly related to the central nervous system. So we then start to realize that all these, you know, because our, our nervous system is essentially what controls our body. It controls our body's responses to life, to things. Something happens and whether it's the parasympathetic nervous system kicking into place, which calms our body down after something stressful, normally when you meditate or something like that or whether it's our sympathetic nervous system, which kicks in that fight or fight reaction of our body. We know that the nervous system controls the body. And it just so happens that the nervous system is exactly where the chakras lie in the energy body, because they're not visible, like you would be able to see on a x-ray, for example, like, oh, there's Poppy's spine, great, but we can't see Poppy's uh, root chakra, but ancient teachers and mystics knew that the energy body lay there along the spine, which I think is incredible when you think about how much we've evolved with science. And then yet all those, you know, thousands of years ago, these teachers and sages knew that actually that was your nervous system and that your nervous system and for energy to flow properly, you needed to have your energy body, your chakras flowing properly and spinning properly and operating properly. God, it is so interesting. And what is, I think, so reassuring about all of this is that if something has lasted thousands of years, then, mm -hmm. and everybody was saying the same thing, we are now kind of trusting, you know, our ancestors, maybe over someone coming up with some concept last year. It's actually us kind of going into our history and matching up with, you know, modern age science. It's such an exciting time for wellness. And you are really pioneering this kind of the intersection of modern day science and these ancient teachings. And also it is so hard to find someone that can actually explain this stuff because it can get quite confusing, but you break it down in a way that I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Well, I hope that that was clear. Sorry, just to say one thing as well is I think you touched on something that's so significant, which is we're going backwards to our roots to go forwards. Because as we are collectively, we can't continue, even though we have all these developments in science and technology, we're being humble to realize that we need to go back to the basics that our ancestors had in order to actually move forwards collectively mm -hmm. as a society. Like I think this work needs to be taught to people from a really young age so that they can understand that the whole point of the chakra system and the whole point of the nervous systems working together, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system is to maintain homeostasis, which is basically a balanced internal state, which allows for optimum functioning of the mind, body, soul. And so when you break it down like that, like energy is not woo-woo. It's just something that we need to understand and respect and know that we can work with in order to live our best lives and be our best selves. So true. So a men and women's energy system different? And what do people mean when they say divine feminine energy or masculine energy, for example? 
Well, you know, what's interesting about the chakra system is even though, um, and you know, there's so much new information that people are still discovering about the chakras. As I said, it's not just the seven main chakras, there's actually over 114 chakras and probably more that we're even finding about as we do delve into this work deeper. But essentially men and women both have, I mean, physical bodies that come down in the form. So a soul that pops into a human body will have the same chakra system. But if you are biologically male or biologically female, your chakras will spin in different directions. So that's quite interesting. And I think that's just about that male masculine energy and that female feminine energy that is biologically, physiologically in bodies, according to whether they come into this earth plane uh, in the body of a female body or a male body. However, with that said, what I think is really interesting is that this concept of divine feminine energy, again, we've seen this kind of marketed and manipulated in a way of like goddess energy. And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that but I think sometimes as with all things it can get overly commercialized and taking away from the sacredness of what it actually means divine feminine energy is not limited simply to women it's not about just a woman in a flowy dress having goddess energy no divine feminine energy is basically about yin energy and yin energy um, is receptive energy it's the energy of receiving intuitive download it's the energy of being connected to intuition and to consciousness rather than to logic and reason and fact. It's the energy of receiving, which is the energy of also resting and nurturing and a much more emotional energy. And it's a nourishing energy that you see that in those traits, not just in women, you see those traits also in men, right? So it's not about um, divine feminine energy just being this kind of woman in a floaty dress going along with her sage and saying, oh gosh, look at me, you know, I'm a goddess because I you know, appear like this on Instagram or whatever. But I think that with the changes that were, so divine feminine energy, when you look in all these sacred texts, for example, in, in Kabbalah, it's known as the Sheshana. And you, you call in the Sheshana at the beginning of any spiritual endeavor that you're embarking upon because you want that divine feminine energy of the Sheshana to help you to receive the blessing. Also in other texts and in, in various other spiritual books and practices and religions, they also refer to this divine, divine feminine energy. I think over the last few years, there's been an awakening of that divine feminine energy on the earth plane because you're seeing people go from these separating us into men and women to understanding that we're all souls that are here to experience a multitude of different energies. Like I can be super feminine in my floaty dress and also can have masculine energies and that's completely okay. It's about merging those different energies when it's appropriate. However, what we've seen a lack of in our, on our planet is we've gone too much into that masculine yang energy of that patriarchal energy that actually is not serving us. It's not serving humanity. It's not bringing justice and equality. It's not nurturing all beings and all people. And we need more of that divine feminine energy rising up, which comes through men as well as women. It comes through the most unexpected places. We need divine feminine energy within corporations to understand that people need nurturing in their workplace. We need divine feminine energy in government, to, you know, which I think Marianne Williamson really touched upon to understand that people mock and say, where does love have a place in government and politics? Well, actually, love is one of the most highest vibrational energies that there is. And we do need that energy of that love because if we had that energy of love, we'd get a lot more done. So it's actually not just woo-woo and, you know, just this kind of spiritual, oh, everyone needs to love each other. It's actually practical as well. So that's what divine feminine energy really is. It's those energies which we consider to be more female and nurturing energies and yin energies, but actually energies that all of us need to experience and bring onto the earth plane. And how do you nurture your your divine feminine energy for men and women? Is there any practices that you recommend? Because in this current like world, and I think definitely the Western culture um, has a lot to answer for in encouraging us to be in our masculine energy of like do, 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 kind of needing to feel like you have to be aggressive in some situations just to almost like out of protection. So there's almost like a fight, I definitely think. And, you know, from lots of conversations I've had, it's we kind of want to be more in our divine feminine, but actually it's, you know, maybe we feel a bit vulnerable if we are or or it's difficult to even access what are your thoughts because you've coached thousands of people over the years and I'm sure you've seen those kind of trends a lot what mm. have you found to be good anecdotes 
Well, you know, I think one of the most powerful things I can say to you, which is probably an entire episode in itself, um, is the breakdowns of all the systems that we're seeing at the moment, the chaos that we're experiencing as a result of COVID-19 and the crashes in the economy, but also our structures and capitalism in many ways, is paving the pathway for more divine feminine energy to come into this earth plane and for us to live in a different way. I mean, when did you last see so many parents at home with their children, Mm -hmm. so many people homeschooling? I'm not, you know, going to bliss all that and say that, oh yeah, everyone should homeschool their child. I imagine it's bloody difficult to homeschool your child and to, to work and to do all these things. But through all this chaos and struggle and all these structures that we've relied on as being, that's just the way things are, that destruction is creating space for us to birth a new paradigm, for us to birth a new way of operating and a new way of living, where we can say, actually, parents should, what's the point in having children if you're not going to spend time with them? Like, really, what's the point? You know, we have to rewrite the narratives about how we live our lives. What's the point of somebody working uh, for 40 years to get a watch when they retire at 60 to then God forbid, have a heart attack. And you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like give their whole life to like working nine to five. Not that there's anything wrong with working nine to five. I'm not trying to say that. And I know that this is more complicated and I don't have all the answers to this, but mm. what we're seeing through all the mass destruction that we're experiencing collectively and individually is everything that we know it falling apart so that things can fall together of how they're supposed to be on this earth plane. And, you know, birth, as I know only too well since I've you know, gone through a 27-hour labor to birth my child, it's a really painful long process, but there's so much light that comes at the end. And so I think that we are birthing this new paradigm and in that there is death and destruction, but there is also room for that divine feminine energy and for a different way of living so that you can honor yourself and say, I love working. I'm going to give my all when I'm doing my work, but I also love rest and recuperation. And you know what? I'm having an off day and it doesn't serve me to be in the office today or to be working today. And I don't need to keep up appearances. It's not about that old way of these yardsticks and measures of success. And, oh, he deserves to get a rise because look at him. He worked in the office till 9 p.m. every day. What are you proving? You know, that's just proving something for an old antiquated system that frankly is archaic and needs to be destroyed. So yeah, we're birthing the new. Oh my God. Yes, yes. And more. Yes. I feel very inspired after that. Um, So to dive into the chakra system and just everything you could possibly want to know about um, your chakras is in this wonderful book, but just to kind of give us a taste, if we could go through those main chakras and maybe go through kind of signs that maybe one of those chakras could be blocked for us and potentially um, an easy way to open it. Yeah, so, you know, we start with the root chakra and the root chakra really is about our roots. It's about our connection to the earth plane. It's about what holds us, what roots us, what makes us keep safe, keeps us feeling safe and secure and taken care of. It's our basic needs, essentially. And for a lot of people, I've noticed that their root chakras, when when they're ungrounded, their root chakra is completely out of whack. And what I mean by that is, is when they feel really unsafe or insecure, when they are scatty or um, all over the place, when their house or their desk is a complete mess. You know, I do that with clients. I'll go and I'll be like, okay, yeah, this needs all taken care of. When they're not taking care of their basic needs, simple things that are just basically your basic needs of like rest food and and water and nurturing yourself really and when your root chakra is out of whack and it's not aligned or it's not spinning properly or it's not fully open then you're going to feel very ungrounded because you're going to feel very unsafe well think about your roots think about being at home and when you're in a happy home you feel like I know when I'm at home I feel so good because my home is my sanctuary I have everything I need there you know and so I feel like this is my safe sacred space and so really having the best root chakra is to feel safe within yourself. Now, having said that, you can have an overly um, active root chakra, and this is the case with all the chakras, where you might be overly attached to your material things. You might be too obsessed with the physicality in life and to an extent that it actually makes you feel insecure. And I've seen a bit of that this year with COVID and, you know, all these people who friends and you know people who have huge portfolios go oh my god I lost like this many millions from their portfolios and it's like all right calm down you know <laughs> yes you had a few zeros wiped off your portfolio but really you, you've got food you've got water you, you're, you've got your health you've got so much access to amazing things that other people don't have like you're over you're too much in your root chakra so with every chakra there is being overactive and underactive, which I think is important for people to know. With the next chakra, we talk about the sacral chakra, and the sacral chakra is 
kind of in the lower abdomen that's where it's located and this is really like creation and joy and it's really the space through which we create it's it's for it's it rules your fertility your hormones um but because you know procreation literally comes from the sacral chakra but it's also about creative endeavors and your your capacity to experience joy and I notice when people have an underactive sacral chakra, they have low libido, they don't enjoy having sex, they have fertility issues, they have hormonal imbalances, they are very creatively blocked. And equally, if somebody has a um, overactive sacral chakra, they could be a sex addict, they could be like constantly seeking all these highs and joy, I've got to experience joy and highs all the time. Like, that's also just too much of another extreme, you know, we don't really want people to be going to that extreme. So, you know, asking yourself these questions, which all are laid out very clearly in my book, there's questions you can ask yourself in journal prompts and meditations and visualizations to scan that chakra to see, like, how can I bring it more into balance? If you're obviously underactive, then you need to get your mojo back. You need to reconnect your sensuality to experiencing pleasure and joy. And if you are too overly active in your sacral chakra, you need to calm down and ground yourself a little bit and just bring more balance and emotional equilibrium. Like life is not meant to be just, I know that some of the spiritual teachers on Instagram will tell you this, but life isn't meant to be joyous in every single yeah. moment. That's not part yeah. of the human existence, you know? The next chakra is the uh, solar plexus, which is around your belly button. And this is really your personal PowerPoint. It's like this chakra rules your personal power. And I know you and I have talked over the years about how I personally had so many digestive issues yeah. and just like would look like I was four or five months pregnant when I was uh, celibate, by the way. So there was no chance I was pregnant on that, uh, <laughs> during that time. And it was because my, my solar plexus, my energy, personal power energy center was just completely depleted because mm. I wasn't standing in my own personal power. So somebody who has an underactive solar plexus will often find themselves like saying yes when they mean no. Like I was a complete people pleaser. Those are kind of clues that you're you're kind of, you know, if you're being passive aggressive, that you actually feel all this rage inside of you, but you're saying yes to everyone and being really sweet and you have a lack of boundaries, then your solar plexus is probably underactive. Equally, if it's overactive, you've got an enormous rampant ego. And I think at the moment <laughs> in politics, we're seeing that. We're seeing people who are like, you know, two in their personal power, like, hey, I'm, I'm this person and I'm going to rule all of you and I'm going to be ruling for this many terms. Or, you know, we're seeing all this craziness with an overactive solar plexus and those people need to be pulled down a peg or two to just be like, hey, it's not just me, it's we. And they need to bring balance to that powerful energy point. So those are the three lower chakras. And then we have what it, the, one of my favorites, which is the heart chakra, which is found in the chest. And that's the kind of bridge between the lower chakras and the upper chakras. And the heart chakra is really about our ability to experience that kind of unconditional love and awe for all of life. So it's not just about sort of, oh my God, like romantic love and receiving romantic love, which I know that you know, a lot of people, we understandably come into our spiritual journeys. I know I did because we're seeking something. We want to manifest something. So that's why we do this work. But the heart chakra teaches us that that unconditional love that we want to experience and that we want to receive and that we want to give is requiring us to feel love in all forms for all beings. It's feeling love for a beautiful flower that you see when you're going on your walk. It's feeling love for the sight of the sun coming through the clouds. You know, it's feeling love for a person that you walk past in the street that you have no real connection to them other than that you're both human beings walking on this earth plane. It's about having a healthy balanced heart that is able to love others and give and receive love however with an underactive heart chakra you know we may be again lacking boundaries and giving away all the love that we want to receive and giving out so much love that we're not actually engaging in healthy relationships with others with boundaries and instead we find ourselves depleted we find ourselves in codependent relationships we find ourselves not able to manifest the kind of loving relationships of all types that we desire with an overactive heart chakra we can be too there is such a thing as being too loving okay there is such a thing as giving away too much love giving away too much of yourself and you're doing it to fill a void because you're actually giving what you want to receive and of course we should give to receive but what we're, when you're when you're loving too much you do so without boundaries without healthy boundaries and without balance and I think that 
I've seen a lot of people in my life, who, myself included, who've had an overactive heart chakra, who were, who were giving out so much love and yet not being loved back. With mm. an underactive heart chakra, though, we can be blocked, and it can actually create pains in our chest, and heart attacks and heart disease comes from an underactive heart chakra, but it blocks us from that connection to divine love, which is in all beings and all things and is such a fundamental part of our lives. The next one, which is the lower of the upper chakras, um, and it's the first of the upper three chakras, is the throat chakra. And the throat chakra is all about communication. It's actually known by ancient sages to be the voice of the gods. And what I love about the, the throat chakra is that it's about communication. And yes, it's about our words, but it's also about our thoughts. And it's about how we allow ourselves to take those thoughts and speak them out loud because so much of the time I know for myself when I had a very underactive throat chakra and I would think so many things and I didn't have the courage to speak up about what I really thought or to feel that my opinion was really important or that I could share my my wisdom and my knowledge with other people and for me you know even like something like this like going on people's podcasts uh, allowed me to really open up my throat chakra and to express myself. So an underactive throat chakra is where you literally swallow your words and you, you keep things blocked. And as a result, you can often end up with actually issues around the uh, throat, whether it's sore throats that you keep having or tonsillitis that you keep getting or thyroid issues. For me, it manifested as thyroid issues. And I think it's so fascinating that so many women have thyroid imbalances because the throat, you know, the thymus, it controls all the hormones in your body because so many of us women are conditioned to swallow our words, to not speak up. Oh, speak when you're spoken to, you know? It's like we've just been conditioned over decades and generations to not speak up. So I think the throat chakra is, is really about expression in its highest form, but equally you can have an overactive throat chakra and gosh, I've definitely met some people who've had an overactive throat chakra and they talk too much. It's uncontrollable. Like they can't stop themselves from speaking and they don't know how to listen. They only know how to speak. So they ask you a question and they immediately interrupt you. And so that's an example of an overactive throat chakra. Um, then we come to the brow chakra, which is the it's also called a third eye, which represents an invisible eye that allows you to see things and connect to things that aren't necessarily tangible things on the physical material plane, earthly plane that we exist upon. And that's your connection to your own intuition. And when it's underactive, we're too much living in the land of logic and reason and facts and figures. And we don't have trust. We don't have connection to our own divine intuition, which is the biggest, strongest, most guiding force that we can possibly have in our lives. I wish everyone was taught how to connect to that when they were young children. And when it's underactive, you're just blocked from that. And that can come from fear. It can come from being conditioned to believe that facts and science is the only thing that we should believe. And I'm a big fan of science, by the way, but I'm also a big fan of fusing it with spirituality because I think that that's just so important. Um, with an overactive brow chakra, which when mine was underactive and then popped, um, it then became really overactive. You're almost obsessively looking for signs and messages and synchronicities and you obsessively analyze everything and and you know you become too clairvoyant and I know that that sound, might sound a little bit woo but I, I only know through being a lawyer that opened up her over underactive brow chakra and then lived with an overactive one for a while whilst I was balancing it out but it's a really real thing and sometimes that clairvoyancy can be to a different level that you don't necessarily want so you know there's definitely things to do like meditation and um, chakra balancing that you can do to connect more to your intuition and even just silly things like even in the case of an underactive of brow chakra where you can sort of say okay let me try and tap into what my intuition is telling me like I wonder who's going to call me today I wonder if I think of this person they're going to call me and just starting to play little games with yourself or I I wonder if I'm going to see I remember asking myself I'm asking to see a rose on a billboard to give me a sign from the universe that I know that I'm connecting to my to silly things and signs that you can play these silly little games with yourself to just start accessing your intuition more. And meditation is just a wonderful way 
of making space for your intuition to be heard and for you to follow your intuition with an overactive brow chakra what i would say to you is is we all it happens to the best of us we kind of get on our spiritual paws and then we kind of just get a bit obsessive well i certainly did and i think you just need a good friend to say okay you're completely ungrounded go to the beach and do something really practical for the next week you don't look like you've washed for a day or two <laughs> and sort yourself out and live back on the physical world best harshest advice i've ever received and then finally with in, in terms of the seven main chakras we have the crown chakra and that really is the jewel in the crown of the seven main chakras and uh, it sits on the top of the head and it's like the seat of consciousness almost and that chakra is really about our connection to the divine it depends on what you believe for you it, you know it could be just for somebody who's listening who might be more on the practical side or perhaps who's an atheist for example it could just be sort of universal order or it could just be like connecting to uh, sort of some type of consciousness that is outside of their own physicality some force that is bigger than us some other energy that we know exists that is outside of us that is actually giving us all these downloads all the time and without an open flowing crown chakra when your crown chakra is underactive you think you know all the answers you know so many times i've seen i don't know if you've experienced this pops but i know i have where i've sort of been like if i do x and y then z will definitely happen if mm. i do a and b then c will definitely happen and then i do a b or x and y and then the thing doesn't happen and i'm like i know best i know best why isn't this happening right you've been there too yeah. I, i'm sure you know, that was an underactive crown chakra because it was saying you're not tapping into this divine wisdom that is trying to show you that there's another way to get to your goal and that you're mm. pushing against the tides thinking you know everything. Equally, if you have an overactive crown chakra, you may be somebody that, again, a little bit like with an overactive brow chakra, you could be living in a way where you're like so spiritual and this, that and the other, but not manifesting anything in the physical world in a way that shows that you're sort of living too in a different world like there's a reason you're still in your physical body and it's because you're meant to live life on earth with all of what being a human means with all our desires all the practical material even financial things like we need those taken care of to be living with balance and having homeostasis basically so um that you know we can have an overactive crown chakra time i think that's something that we should remember and ground ourselves with god it's so interesting so in the book Every single chakra has its own self-care rituals that Ambi lays out and they're super easy to follow and they're really effective and some of them are longer, some of them are shorter. And as she said, she involves kind of oils and meditations. What I would love to do is run through a bunch of, let's say, symptoms that we may be mm -hmm. feeling and then for you to kind of say, I would probably suggest you look at this particular chakra just so we can kind of really get to grips with how we can use this practically absolutely so let's say i was feeling really anxious very bloated tummy issues solar plexus your solar plexus your energy point you know your personal energy center is probably a little bit off possibly also your sacral and what i'd recommend with that is you're not digesting life properly and when you're not digesting life properly you really need to look at what you're feeding yourself whether it's what you're eating what you're reading what you're taking in every single day and you need to like be digesting on all levels not just in terms of food things that are serving your body mind body and soul and going on a, on, on a diet or a cleanse of a sort to make sure that what you're digesting is digestible to your body and your soul as to where you're at in your journey amazing feeling constantly tired doesn't matter what you do even if you have a good night's sleep you're just tired root chakra and solar plexus and uh, your roots you've got to take care of your roots you've got to take care of your basic needs you're constantly tired because you're being drained in some kind of way and probably your solar plexus your personal energy center is out of whack in some kind of a way because you're not taking action that really allows you to be empowered so it's really looking and you know, i see this a lot in people who are listless in a stuck career or you know in some kind of a way where they're living a life that is not really lighting them up in some kind of a way and what i would say is that it's time for a bit of a life review you know and look at this what you know i'm getting eight hours sleep a night but it's, if you are getting eight hours sleep for a night for example and it's not necessarily that part of your root chakra well, what am i eating what am i drinking what, what am i looking after my basic needs am i exercising my body and if not where am i experiencing joy where am i um how am i empowered because if i'm empowered i'm going to feel lit up and if i'm feeling lit up i'm not going to be feeling like this so it's really looking at those two chakras 
feeling emotionally numb, just like whatever I'm doing, I just don't really feel. That's normally the heart chakra and the sacral chakra. And it's just like your heart chakra is probably closed off and your sacral chakra is not spinning and working properly. And as a result, you're disconnected from joy. And as much as I don't think that we're meant to experience joy 24-7, joy is our birthright. We are meant to experience joy and we are meant to feel that full range of human emotions, joy being the most dominant of all of those. You know, joy is like one of the highest vibrations that we can feel. And if your heart center is blocked off if you're closed off to other people if you're overly critical of others if you're overly demanding if you're if you're just closed off at like having that kind of human connection with other people you're more than likely closed off at having that connection with yourself and so you really need to connect with others in order to reconnect your emotions and even if that might bring an overwhelming amount of emotions out it's like when you you know when you, I remember you coming to me years ago and like having a really good cry and we got it out we got it out we got your tears out and we had yeah. this emotional release and you felt yeah. silly but it was so beautiful to see you be able to melt in my space you know and just let it all out and go and not be numbing yourself with being busy so that's an example and actually that's a really important point that if anyone is feeling kind of emotionally numb or any sort of imbalance of emotions finding someone is really helpful in being able to kind of like help you through that on that note how can people best connect with you and also I'd love to hear more about your sound healing I just want the entire world to be able to experience some of Andy healing what is the best way to do that um, you know, Instagram uh, is the gram is where you'll find me a lot of days. And I'm at Alchemy Ambi. But also, you know, with everything that's happened in the world, I found a way to combine my sound baths with the, the healing self-care energy of the chakras through the Alchemy Store, which has just launched, which is basically custom candles that come with a custom sound bath that's guided to amplify the theme of that particular candle theme. So whether it's a chakra candle, we've got seven chakra candles for all the seven main chakras. We've also got them for the new moon, the half moon, the full moon, and for other themes like grounding or clarifying or manifesting and things like that. And it's just a beautiful fusion of all my work into one way of sharing it that people can actually have in their homes and experience that sound online in the privacy of their own home with a beautiful Reiki charged candle with essential oils um, and more. So that's something that's a really wonderful way of experiencing a little bit of the magic. Also on Instagram, I do do some IG lives with sound baths and I'd love to talk a little bit about sound because... Yeah, I was actually, that was my next question. Like sound healing, like what is it and how does it help? You know, again, sound healing is an ancient wellness practice and sound baths were of sorts were used by many cultures across the globe as a method of meditation, healing and relaxation. Um, for example, the ancient Greeks, they used sound as a healing tool to actually aid digestion um, as well as yeah. helping calm the mind and assist with better sleep. And we know that Tibetan singing bowls are popular today, but they've actually been used in temples by monks for centuries, as well as indigenous cultures. They've been using sound healing in a way, utilizing all these different instruments, which are unique to their origins. For example, Aboriginals using didgeridoos. Sound healing has been around forever. And at some point, as society advanced, sort of, I think, in the 19th century, researchers began to study the connection between sound and the healing effect that it had on, on the brainwaves, which in turn helps calm the nervous system. So, you know, we think about calming the nervous system that we talked about at the beginning, and we think about meditation, but the, what we don't know, I mean, I know you came to me and we did that together, but for many people, meditating is really challenging. Just sitting mm. and silently meditating can be so hard. Mm. Even guided meditations don't work for all people. But what I found is that sound baths, using a mixture of different instruments, I personally work with planetary gongs and uh, chakra crystal singing bowls and chimes, which represent the different elements. Playing a sound bath with those mixture of instruments that all have different musical notes that correspond to different energy points in the body beyond the seven chakras it actually serves as a, like a very quick deep healing meditative ex experience for people and even people who traditionally didn't like to meditate found that they could meditate when it came to experiencing a sound bath and, and, and the reason why is because sound baths have the ability to change our brain waves from beta waves which is the active state to alpha which is relaxation to theta, which is meditative, and actually to delta, which is sleep waves. I know that you have fallen asleep in a couple of my sound baths. <laughs> so many. I conk out. I get into Ambi's sound bath and literally Poppy's gone. <laughs> I, I know because you went straight from being like major active beta waves 
to Delta, exactly what your soul needed and your mind, body and soul needed. And so the effects on a, a sound bath on the brain waves are akin to that of a deep meditation. The difference being is that there's all these instruments used that actually through that musical vibration and frequency are they are activating not just the seven chakras, but many of the hundreds of chakras that are in your energy body. And that's why I love, love, love sound baths. And sound healing was a huge part of my own healing journey, which is why I know it works, which is why I use it as a tool to help others. We're going to have to do another podcast to go into Ambie's own healing journey because that is another story in itself and I want everyone to hear it um, because this episode, as you can imagine, has just been so jam-packed full of, of things to learn. So before we go, I'd love to go into our quick-fire round. Um, cool. Mantra for life is? Change is the only constant. I know, I'm a broken parent on that, a <laughs> record on that. I manage disappointment by? Managing my expectations. First thing in the morning, I find my baby and give him a kiss and cuddle. Before I go to sleep, I give a prayer of gratitude for all my blessings and think about the things I like about people and their good qualities. One book I recommend everyone. The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. A habit I love having in my life. Purging, cleansing, releasing, healing. It's an ongoing daily experience for me. If you really knew me, you would know. I have a very cheeky, very wild side, which I keep well hidden. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty Ambie. And I swear like a trooper. Whoops. Try and stop that. <laughs> That's so brilliant. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I will put uh, links to Ambie's um, The Alchemy Store. I'll put links to the book and I'll put links to Ambie's socials in the show notes. Oh yes. Oh gosh. Other thing. Ambie has got a podcast. So I will also put links to that because that is full on Ambie for talking about <laughs> everything you can imagine and um so it's just jam-packed of wisdom so i'll put all of that but Andy, thank you so much for your time thanks for having me pops that's it for today thank you for listening of course it would be amazing and very appreciated if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and sharing this podcast you can find me at poppy jamie on instagram DM me questions or any guest suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have a moment, download Happy Not Perfect. It's my mindfulness app that helps you manage stress, anxiety, sleep, and ultimately makes you feel happier every single day in less than five minutes. See you next time. Sending you lots of love and energy. Till then. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.